in the Finley Toyota Studio on ESPN Las Vegas. Come on, it's here. It's Cofield. JVT as well, John Bontobel. Early show today. This is actually middle of the show. You missed the 2 o'clock hour. We're going to get out of the way for an Aces game coming up at 4.30, tip at 5 o'clock, pregame at 4.30. Boy, we have so much going on right now. Lots of football coming up later on with Miles Simmons. We like fight talk on the show. The mix of uh, Damon, myself, and John, and then Damon and Adam Hill and myself. So we did a little bit yesterday on Jake Paul and Nate Diaz. Last night, um, I started cataloging more stories because I was like, okay, we, we have to hit this again because there's some craziness going on. But I got to tell you, there was another fight this weekend that was better and deserves our attention. What are we going with? Damon, what are you calling it? I'm a wrestling guy, so the Montgomery Bash at the Beach used to be a WCW paper. Yes. I like that yes. one. The Montgomery Bash at the Beach. John, have you thought about this? I mean, no, but wouldn't it be more of like a bay? Because it wasn't really the beach, was it? Yeah, it, was it wasn't like a really. Bay? You still get the alliteration. Yeah. 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 <laughs> bash of the Bay. I mean, I'm down with it. The, battle, the Battle of Birmingham sounds like the Civil War. Uh, <laughs> the brawl at Birmingham is my choice. This is unreal. The viral nature of, I don't even know what it was, like six different, st- six rounds, like a six round brawl on the docks in Birmingham. There's so many elements. It was awesome. We'll get to the legal part of it tomorrow with Justin Watkins, our legal insider from Battleborn Injury Lawyers. So just pick something. Give me what stuck out for you. What do you want to hit first? I mean, do you want to set up the story first? Sure. Okay. So, so the there's a security guard out at a dock, yeah, out there in Alabama, and he asks the three men, uh, three white men, to move their pontoon, right? Because you know why? Just, why do they have to move it? I didn't read that. Why? I mean, it was in the way. It's right? a ferry. It's a it's ferry's a dock coming. for a ferry. The okay. ferry's coming in, and now the ferry can't park in its normal spot. Move. So they're getting aggressive. Like he's clearly it's an animated conversation. They're telling him they're not going to move it. The security guard's doing some great gesticulation. Like you got to move the pontoon, get it out of here. Then shirtless chubby guy comes running in out of nowhere and just socks the security guard. Security guard then says, "Okay, let's do this thing." Throws his hat up in the air. I don't know why. I mean, the security guard got pretty pretty knocked around. Right before Could- I think before the hat throw, which was a distress signal because. Someone hits him, and then another person comes in and almost like um, kind of wrestles him to the ground by his head. I don't even know what you want to call that. What is right. it, a bulldog or something? Like if yeah. you're going off the ropes, he bulldogs him to the ground. At one point, and then there's, there's like, there, how many people were on him? I, th- I, you guys said it was like three on one. I thought at one point it was like seven on one, punching him and kicking him. So there's, from what I saw, there was four guys and like there's three guys initially. So there's an argument. One guy comes flying in. He throws the hat off. Then it's no holds barred. They all start going at him. There's three. A fourth guy comes over. There's four. The camera, the video I watched cut, and there's a seems to be about five people around him, but I think a couple of them are actually trying to break this thing up, and that's where everything starts to get out of hand because then even a woman starts to get involved, and that's when you start seeing people. Like, there's another dude, another big fat guy that comes over and, like, finger wags at the security guard when the woman gets involved. Like, the dude's getting it from all over the place until help arrives. Yes. This this is the the good part because it's the way the help arrives. Did you notice anything about it in terms of readiness to fight? 
Well, first people were ready for fight, but the woman recording, somebody help that man. <laughs> and then you see a guy, he heard the distress signal, dives in. I don't know how far away he was, but this man said, no, 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 no. I can't run over there enough. I can't run over there fast enough. I need to swim. There was a guy over on the, there. Other, the other side of the water who's swimming. Then there's like four guys who are skipping into the fight, but like yes. getting like in a fight stance. I'm like, they're ready to throw. I feel like some of the people retreated back to the boat, and it's like, hey, that ain't a safe haven. Oh, man. They'll come on the boat. Like, they saw what you were doing to this one guy when it was freaking four, five, six, seven v one. Uh, yeah, my favorite parts are the swimmer. Right. Do we have an official name for him? Michael B. Phelps, I think Michael that was B. the Michael B. Phelps uh, is one of them. What does that mean? Explain that to people. The Michael B. Jordan of it all, you yeah. know? Yeah, Michael B. Jordan and Michael Phelps. So you could <laughs> do a little Michael B. Phelps. By the way, Scuba Gooding Jr. was also a good one. <laughs> okay, Scuba Gooding Jr. <laughs> By the way, not the strongest swimmer. Took him no. a little while to get over. Well, and the fact that he, the, the person had some stamina left after, because that looked like a struggle. It did, but I also think he went in fully clothed. I think he still had his shoes on. Yes. Like, oh, really? Yeah, so yeah. I, I think that he, was a, like, he wasn't that strong of a swimmer, but when you're fully clothed yeah. and with shoes trying to swim and your adrenaline's going, like the part, the part that stinks is... Uh, Michael B. Phelps, the second he gets there, like it's already over pretty much. So it's like it's a really good effort. But by the time you get there, mm. it took so long to get there that it was pretty much over at that point. But he still gets the points for doing the swimming. Yep. So maybe that was his plan all along. I want to help, but I've got to be at the most dramatic entrance to the fight. So next time we get into like a really knockdown, drag out debate on the show, does this mean anything at that at some point? I stand back and just. Now nah, here's the throw thing. Throw my though. hat in the air. <laughs> can I borrow <laughs> your hat? Who's gonna run in? Can I borrow your hat? Because this is if you actually go back and rewatch this the video. Pretty, uh, I'll use an '80s word, grody. But go ahead. So when you he, when to. you actually watch the video, yeah. we he, need like, props. He, we got we got the hat. He takes it off yeah. and instead of throwing it up, he kind of like yeah, yeah like flips yeah, it flips forward it. with like some gusto. He's like, "All right, <laughs> like let's do. You want to do this?" <laughs> <laughs> but then the part the part is because these guys are you know scumbags. They don't let him finish. Like so he's mid flip and then they just start throwing already. I've seen people. People at that point when the hat goes up, I've seen people mix in regulators, mount up. <laughs> like, let's go. That was great. Well, and then the folding chair was also a good part. And the, I've and seen this, people. Th this is the best part. Go ahead, explain what they're doing on social media with the chair. People are memorializing that, fo that, that, that folding chair as a part of black history now because there was one guy who just had not a steel chair like in wrestling, but like a plastic white chair that'd be at a barbecue, yep. and he was just wailing on people like it was the WWE. The chair. The chair. Because I've seen, I've seen uh, videos, memes, whatever, GIFs with like an eye and a mouth or eyes and a mouth on the chair. Like the chair's talking. <laughs> I saw someone had T-shirts out already with the chair. Good. On the T-shirt. Um, and then there was the chair action itself. Um, there's law enforcement there, and they're kind of off to the side when this guy's – like you're looking at the, the video. And, again, this is this, this big brawl in Birmingham, and I'm sure a lot of people have seen it. It was uh, these uh, white folks on a boat going after a uh, security guard, and it was four, five, six, and seven on one. And then all of a sudden people start coming into the picture, and the ass beating is coming. Um the person with the chair is whacking someone to his right. He stops, and there's law enforcement there. And he's allowed to just go over, and there's a lady sitting on the ground, and she had been involved in the fracas earlier, and he gets off like three good shots, like almost <laughs> breaking her head through the plastic chair. Good. And at that point, they're like, 
I, I, we got to arrest him. We got to take him down. <laughs> like, we were like, on your like, side, Like, man. we gave you a shot. Yeah. You got one person you could destroy. So, um, this is blown up pretty good. And then there, then there's the, you know, the doxing where people recognize the boat. They recognize some of the people in the fight. It turns out one of the guys, one of the initial perpetrators, owns a convenience store. in of all places, by the way, this is in Montgomery, Alabama, which has a, a whole, you know, meaning to it. And then the convenience store is in Selma, Alabama. Okay. So... It's crazy, man. Isn't Montgomery? That's. I mean, this is what we learned this though, right? Yeah, it's what happens. I think one of the lines. That's right. Wait, did he actually? He didn't mention. He did he mention cities in the song? Oh no! What what he did mention though was I think one of the lines is punch an old woman in the face. Right. It's what happens when you get it. So let's go. Punch an old man in the face, the security guard. This yeah, is what I mean, happens. He still has that jurisdiction over this little part of the docks. So he's he's essentially a police officer to me. I mean, that's the that's the law right there. I mean, if the we're authority. people, uh, we will say we have appropriated the song, the Aldean song. So, sorry. I mean, now it fits. It's I saw for everybody, t- right? I saw a TikTok where it was just like a black girl, and she was just listening to it of just like mm, now the lyrics mean something. You tried it. I mean, but if we're I mean, really- and honestly. Like, I, like we're, see how far you make it. We're yeah. Say, see, if, we're see how far you make it down the dock. See how far you make it down the road. Uh, honestly, like glamorizing this uh, a, a brawl like that is kind of sick. We've become really wacky. But if people want to talk about justice, you know, seven on one ain't fair. Well, I and mean, guess what? Twenty five on seven. Oh well. I mean, if we're taking these lyrics to heart, aren't we supposed to execute these people? Like the people that started this fight. You tried that in a small town. See how far you get down the road. Let's go. Yeah. The timing is beautiful. <laughs> Dude, it's, it's great. in a small town. Yeah. It, it is. Like, that is, like, again, I agree with you. Overall, nah, it's it ridiculous. is weird it's that we're, like, like we're becoming jo- this, having- this sick society where we, you know, glamorize stuff like this. But there are times when you, you watch people try to bully other people, and if they get it back and they get it back worse. I mean, there's a guy, there's a guy on the ground in Crocs. The Crocs are around his calves. They exploded. They just exploded, and they're up his legs. I'm sure he was trying to run, and his feet are through the Crocs. Like he They just destroyed him. He needs to get those new Crocs. You yeah. see those are coming out with the new Crocs? The boots? Yeah, the boots that go up to like your middle calf. And I'm not, I'm not advocating getting in freaking street brawls or brawls in casinos here or wherever, but I do think we have enough people who will stand and do nothing with a camera if you see something really unfair going on, I know there's a risk, so I can't tell people to jump in, but maybe help people instead of just sitting there with 14 cameras watching someone get slaughtered by, you know, in a five-on-one. People did come to help. Well, I'm saying this, this is a good case where you could have had 25 people just sitting there, oh, look at this, I got this on video, wow, that's crazy. You got a guy swimming across a freaking, like a good swim. All right, guys, here's the real question. If you see this, you're talking about doing something, do you prove your allyship? By going in to help. <laughs> or are you afraid you get misrepresented? <laughs> well, there is. Well, that, that, that was the end. I thought about that, too. I'm on your side. That, 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 yeah, every, every once in a while, you got to reset. And you're like, no, no, I'm with you. Um, yeah, it's uh, thinking back, thinking back around Vegas and uh, some things I've been involved in. I'm not saying I'm like some sort of gang member. I'm not. But you get mouthy at a bar. It's funny. I was talking to another media member today, and he was telling me about his boss. Right. And his boss is like very conservative now and very demanding. And I'm like, I knew that guy 25 years ago and that guy got me punched in the face and I had a broken tooth 
because of him because he was an instigator. And now he's lecturing other people on discipline and being professional. You grew up, Steve. <laughs> I, Learned I his guess. lesson that night. <laughs> I guess. I barely have, but yeah, I got – we've talked about it many times. Adam Hill and I were out hanging out at a Casino Royale on the Strip, and, you know, one of our friends got mouthy. And we decided to back them up a little bit. Uh, some people got 86, and then a half an hour later, they snuck in. We, you know, a couple more uh, drinks, drinkies went down, and all of a sudden, I've got some freaking college kid who's, you know, 215 pounds, like just freaking sucker punched the hell out of me in the right side of my face, left side of my face. Yeah, right here. Because I know I was standing, I know where I was standing, and boom, chip tooth. Like I, I blacked for a second, and then Big Adam covers me up, and it was just, you could just see <laughs> on video, just boom, boom, boom. It was just, Four or five people just freaking crushing him on the top of his head. They broke a glass on his head. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I, again, this is not bragging. It's one of the dumber things. But, but again, back to, this, you know, back to this thing. Hey, those guys felt like, you know, someone had talked to one of their ladies, had been disrespectful. Now, someone could have jumped in because at that point it was probably like seven on two. But, you know, no one jumped in. So. Can I tell you one of my favorite Please fights? Please help! My favorite fight memories actually wasn't a really good fight. Um, it was one that I watched. It was actually after a UNLV football game where there was like, you know, some beverages and whatnot. And I think there was like some girl involved, whatever. Hawaii game? So, yeah, Hawaii game. Yep. Was it Hawaii? Yep, it was Hawaii yeah. game. <laughs> and, and Ninth, Ninth Island, uh, all that camaraderie goes out the window. So at one point, this fight bleeds over to campus. So everybody's around, right? So I'm like, hey, man, this is going to go down. And like to the point where like I was grabbed, like, come on, we're going to do this. I'm like, oh, oh no. I guess I got to do this. But the two main culprits in the fight were like very amateur MMA guys. So, really? <laughs> but this is the best part is so the first 10 minutes of this brawl are these two one's trying to leg kick him and the other's just checking the leg <laughs> kick it was like 10 minutes of just like check what? leg kicks and somebody just goes are you gonna fight or not <laughs> <laughs> it was one of the lamest things i've ever been a part of i went down there ready to brawl it was just two guys practicing mma for like 10 minutes before yeah. everybody walked away in that uh birmingham <laughs> brawl people should step for up, uh, up for each other when they're in trouble and i gotta tell you there's a baseball announcer another major league baseball team needs to step up and hire this guy or tell the guy you got a job waiting for you you should quit right now no. believe it or not halfway point of the show we're going to be uh, cutting out at 4 30 aces game coming up just checking in with uh, the hookup with the Aces. So they are on Lotus Broadcasting. We, depending on availability, ESPN Las Vegas for Aces games, Raider Nation Radio 920, and sometimes Fox Sports Las Vegas. Sam Pennyotovich is coming up in the latter part of the hour. We have a lot of gaming and gambling news to get to. Uh, apparently Barstool mm-hmm. has been purchased back, and they – they were with Penn National, and now there's some whispers that ESPN may have a branded betting site. I assume you guys have been killing this on VSIN, right? Getting into all the gambling news and stuff. I mean, it just happened. It's right up your alley. It just happened a couple hours ago, so oh, I okay. hope that we are. Um, and there's what are you on next? Uh, what's today? Today's Tuesday. Tuesday. Tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. All right, hit it hard. Well, we're going to get a preview of whatever you're going to do in about uh, 20 minutes or so with uh, Sam. But just but it's been officially announced. So ESPN PR put it out. So ESPN bet. Yep, ESPN okay. bet is going to be a thing. All right, I want to hear about this. So I went to break saying, uh, you know, the Birmingham brawl, the uh, what'd you call it? The bash. Montgomery Bash at the Beach. Bash, bash at, the beach, at the Bay. Sort of like uh, Bash at the Bay, whatever. WCW. Um, yeah, the the big brawl. That's it's that's crazy stuff. You know, that we we don't want that happening. Um, but you know, backing up people who are getting screwed over. Is not the worst thing to see, and 
And I mentioned before break, can another Major League Baseball organization step up and behind the scenes just take care of one of these Orioles announcers? I still don't get what the hell happened here with this Orioles announcer. Can we play this? And this got the guy uh, suspended? For the Orioles, Brandon Hyde has felt like this has been maybe the toughest ballpark to play in. But the Orioles have a chance to do something special today. They've already clinched at least a split in the series, winning two of the first three. And they could pick up a series win behind Tyler Wells today. It's been a minute. The Orioles split a two-gamer with the Rays in June. They had lost their last 15 series here at Tropicana Field. You have to go back to when our now colleague Brad Brock picked up the win in the series finale June 25th, 2017, the last time the Orioles won a series here at St. Pete. Already got three and two of the chop this year after winning three of 18. The previous three years combined. It is a stark difference, Ben, and it is not a bad Rays team. It's not like all of a sudden the no. Rays uh, became slouches in the American League East. They've led this division every day, but now two, and the Orioles once again are back alone in first place. Yeah. All right, so Kevin Brown is that guy's name. And then he dropped a homophobic slur right after that, right? No, that was all the audio. Oh, right, that's it? <laughs> that was it. <laughs> I mean, I figured it had to be something bad to get suspended for nearly two weeks. That's pretty bad. He got suspended for what he just said there. Yep. What? Yeah, 100%. It looks like that. So it was funny, too, because it wasn't announced. It was Orioles fans who were, like, watching the broadcast and were wondering, like, all right, like, where's Kevin Brown? Kind of weird. and Not there. Usually there for all of these games. And it took a while before people started reaching out and saying, hey, like, what's going on here? They finally reach out to the Orioles, who just respond with, we don't comment on personnel matters. We look forward to hearing Kevin's voice soon. They also dispute the report that any suspension took place, but he does come back on Friday. Some have reported, though, that they have found out why, and it's because John Angelos, the owner of the Baltimore Orioles, did not like that piece you just heard. Hmm. That's incredible. What does that tell you about the Orioles? Um, honestly, I'm kind of surprised that they're good. If they have an owner who's this thin-skinned mm -hmm. and who is willing to get into – the broadcast space and suspend a guy for, by the way, what was a positive report. It was stating the facts of the last few years and spinning it into, yeah. this team's good now. Look, yes. time to root for them. They're good. They turned the corner. Rough times in the past, but now they're catching up. By the way, John Angelos is 56. It's very funny. Uh, this morning, listening to uh, Dan Patrick, I like uh, Fox Sports Radio Las Vegas when I'm driving around, and... Someone called in, and, and I don't think, again, DP was processing. Uh, and also, when you take random calls sometimes and they're not on topic, a lot of times you're like, okay. So a guy called in, he's like, uh, nomination for the worst, worst owner in baseball. Like, the response to that is, yeah, they've always been some of the worst owners in baseball. Mm -hmm. Peter Angelos isn't running things anymore. He's a freaking stain on humanity. Was a terrible guy. He's 94 years old now. But 56-year-old John Angelos was offended by that? Mm -hmm. Come on. And as I said earlier, how about another Major League Baseball organization? Hell, in the division. Yankees have, are doing nothing this year. Yankees should call him up on the scenes and go, you know what? If you quit, we get a job for you. And he, pro he probably has a non-compete, so he won't be able to work. But Yankees, And then the Yankees should go public with it when they hire him. 
yeah, we, we saw this. This young man's a very talented broadcaster. He doesn't deserve to be treated like this. Well, I was going to also throw something in by going by this Nepo owner of the – well, can't do that as a Steinbrenner. But um, it would be great if someone stepped up and they're like, yeah, we'll hire you. Quit. Tell the Orioles to screw off. But you know how hard it is to get a freaking baseball job? Oh, I know. Well, it's like anyone – if you're around a Major League Baseball organization, because these announcers, will they'll work until they're 85 years old. Of course. Yeah, like, Michael Kay hasn't given up that spot. In, that's that, that's going to be the biggest I mean, problem. I, I wouldn't get on Kay. John Sterling is 86 years old. I mean, I yeah, I'm not Susan's. I think she's probably late 60s, but like these are hard jobs to get. There's only so many of the jobs. But wouldn't it be great if someone stepped up to this Kevin Brown guy and is like, "Tell the Orioles to screw off." That sounded great. You framed the story really well. So what's fascinating about this is I don't know if you've seen, but other play-by-play guys have actually come to his support. Good. Uh, Gary Cohen, actually on the Mets broadcast Brilliant. yesterday, one of the best announcers in all of baseball. Yep. Said, and the wording is fascinating. Said, you know, 29 other teams would love to have him. Yep. Yeah, and like the Orioles are embarrassing themselves by doing this. And notably, too, 29 other teams that includes a team that Gary Cohen works for. Yep. Like it's a it's a compliment that a guy like that would Good. step up to the plate like that. I hope it works out. I hope he gets yep. hired away by another team. I mean, I wouldn't want to really work there anymore. The Orioles have been a crap franchise up until now. These guys are doing this in spite of the Angelos family. That's what I meant when I said I'm surprised they're a good franchise right yep. now or a good organization. Yep. They, uh, they're they now complaining. Well, I don't know if they're publicly complaining, but now you know the news is, hey, they're going to need a new stadium soon. You realize how revolutionary their stadium was, mm-hmm. and Peter Angelos made the decision behind the scenes. He's like, I'll just, I'm just going to make my money and then act like, oh, you know, Boston and New York and Toronto can't compete. Like, the Rays are in your division, too. You live in a super populated area. My God. And I, I know it's not the same fan base. I bet you know what though. I bet going back the uh, the old Redskins. I bet you how many of their fans because the Orioles were there. I mean the Nats were not there. How many Orioles fans are also Washington football team fans? And the the nonsense they've had to deal with for twenty five years with Snyder and Angelos. And can I say this is I, this does kind of speak to how regional baseball is to a certain extent. So this kind of blew up, and now it's reached you know it's it's national story. We're talking about here in Las Vegas. But the Angels, this was a story that was kind of swept under the rug at the beginning of this year. But the Angels started the practice where media members uh, aren't allowed to talk to coaches and they have to pre-submit questions because some of the questions are deemed too negative. Who is this? The Angels. Man. This is what, and this is what, like, that's kind of swept under the rug and that happened at the beginning of the year. That was back in May that was reported. Like, so. Do these, these, <laughs> these local baseball owners, and I mean, obviously they're, they're local, but. Do they not see what I mean? I know they're making money hand over fist from TV deals and you know international deals. Maybe they don't care about local coverage. Maybe it doesn't have no value. Because I can tell you from watching what our newspaper does here, you know, even what we do, like there's only so many bodies to cover stuff. And if you don't want to be covered, and then you want to make it into a giant pain in the ass and submit questions, well, this is adult to adult conversation. What what are you paying? What are you paying managers and? players for they can't deal with some questions especially a franchise like the angels like you're lucky you're relevant and being spoken about your franchise has been a nightmare for the last seven years despite the fact that you had at the time the best player in baseball and now two of the best players in baseball in mike trout and shohei otani and you're turning reporters away and saying don't be too mean this has been a nightmare the way you've been covered because guess what your franchise stinks 
Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio on ESPN Las Vegas. Yeah, great picture John just showed me during the break. I saw some people last night raving about um, big time football at TCU that they had. He's an O lineman, right? Yes. They had, they, had, they, had, they had an O lineman who's 6'5, 465. That's about what I figured he looked like. And I'm not cracking on the kid. He clearly, he's got a big frame, but. I don't. My guess is he's not going to get on the field unless. Think, I mean, think about what I'm going to say. Unless he's down to like 380. Yes, he's 465. You at, at some point you have to be able to move. Yeah. So yeah, that's. Um, I was. You know, it's funny. I was watching at UNLV football practice today. They do a lot of special teams work, and they had a drill. I don't know what it is, right? But they're they're having guys kind of run down the field uh, to cover someone changing direction on what could be a kickoff return, and they had some linemen doing it. And Alani McAley is out there running down the field. I know you know who he is. He's an offensive guard. He's number 73. He's 6'3 and 360. No, he was actually moving. Really? Yeah. Like, he's not not like me where, you know, you wear corduroys. He's going to start a fire between your legs. He doesn't – like, his legs are gigantic, but they're not, like, rubbing against each other where you're like, mm, you can't run. He was actually running. That was a lateral move. I mean, if you're, if you're a guard, you don't have to move much in football, but, like <laughs> – we got to pull. If you can't run, like you can't even like a swift jog. Did you ever see? Um, now I'm blanking on his name. Trent Brown when he was in town with the Raiders. Of course, because I think he's at. Le- I think he's a underreported 400 pounds. Oh yeah, he's. Like, I mean, I but he's like gets, six nine though. Yeah, that, and that's the difference. I mean, I know it doesn't sound like much of a difference between six eight, six nine, and six five, but yeah. there is. So if he's at 400 pounds at six nine, it's like oh he can carry it slim down to like that 380 like you're saying and play there comfortably. But to even play comfortably at six five 380 doesn't seem possible. Got to be able to. He's at 465. Reach block. You know what I mean? <laughs> Show us some more. That's right. Got to be able to pull. I mean the crazy part of that is he's only punishing himself. In I mean when you show up to camp like that 465 pounds, I mean, camp is going to be a complete B. I would un- I would think though he's shown some something. Not just size. No, that would, I'm sure that he's got warrant, ability. You know what I mean? Yeah. That would warrant some – because if there is – like my thinking is if you're that big but also you were recruited to TCU, that if you showed skill at that size, can you imagine when oh, he yeah. cuts down, right, and is a little bit more comfortable and agile in his body? Like, could be something. You want more blocking technique? No, I don't know. No, no. No, I want to look the kid up and see. He, he, must, he must have had some offers. <laughs> yeah, he's right. gonna put a hole in the wall, man. <laughs> Be careful. Be he's a freshman, careful. though, right? Yeah. So I mean, that's all baby fat. Eighty pounds will come off like that. Oh yeah, it's all water weight. Get him in a college program, yeah. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, two years from now, he might. He maybe he is weighing three seventy. So there are there are guys like like the mom was saying who are six seven, six eight, six nine who get over four hundred pounds and then you know with a couple of years of work and get down to three sixty and can turn out to be pretty good football players. With Sammy P. Sammy P. All right, here we go. We'll go out to California. California, right, on a Tuesday. Sam Paniotovich. Sam, how you doing, buddy? I'll be in Vegas tomorrow, but uh, I couldn't quite get to the Cofield & Company studios on a Tuesday. I That's apologize. Okay. No, no. What, uh, what are you doing today? Where we're, uh, what was on the docket today at Fox Sports? Is that where you are? Yeah, I'm here right now with the robot. Did you see the picture I tweeted out? The robot in the oh. lobby has the countdown for uh, oh, okay. you know our, our college football schedule and Fox NFL Sunday and all that. And you know, having some meetings here and meeting with the right people. We're gonna do some different gambling stuff this year. Some of it top secret, some of it not. But basically, this is like uh, the last 
the end of summer, and then you know once we get to the end of August, it's college football, and then NFL's right around the corner. So uh, she kissing babies and has to see the boys tomorrow night. But uh, yeah, big big news today in the world, I hear. Yeah, first of all, what's going on with Barstool? I, again, I, I'm not privy to a lot of the, the conversations that took place. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it looks like we have ESPN bet now, and um, you know, it's a it's a massive deal. And I, you know, if you didn't see it, I would suggest you read the story. Adam Candy, uh, our buddy, wrote a great story on Legal Sports Report, highlighting basically the terms, and you know, he gives the news side of it. Um, Penn is going to pay ESPN 1.5 billion dollars oh. over uh, a 10 year term. So um, that's a lot of money. I think that's maybe more than some people thought ESPN would get. Um, but Penn is absorbing what used to be the Barstool Sportsbook. And that grants them immediate access into, I believe, 16 jurisdictions. ESPN Bet is going to roll out into 16 states very soon. And I think the question is, you know, that I have, I mean, the number one question I have is, what does this look like? And what I mean by that is, you know, draft and FanDuel are clearly one and two across this country in terms of handle because they own the marketing. They own the advertising. They have all the money. When you watch a game on ESPN, you're likely to see a commercial for DraftKings or FanDuel. Mm. Now, however, ESPN bet due to integrate itself into the game. And, you know, I close... Monday Night Football now, and there's a QR code in the bottom left of the screen for ESPN Bet. And if you have the ESPN app now, are you able to live bet on said game? I mean, there are a lot of things worked out, but I mean, plan now with Penn and ESPN Bet, there's products. DraftKings doesn't have live sports. FanDuel doesn't have live sports. I mean, they have, they have racing, but ESPN could change the game here because now they're taking bets and they have a whole lot of games that people are already watching. Why would this be different, more successful than what happened with Fox bet? Let me, uh, let me not die on the cross here. I I don't know how much I can say about that. I was going to say really quick, I don't mean to put you in a bad position, but you do have experience because you did work for Fox and Fox did have Fox bet for anybody who's out there wondering. Right. Fox Bet was only in four states, though, okay. and we, we didn't really use a lot of that stuff on live TV. And I, I think, you know, if you wanted to Google Fox Bet and see how that ended, you're more than happy to do that. But, I, I you know, I was not in any of those conversations, so I'm not going to pretend like I know what happened with Fox Bet. But I, I think it's clear that with ESPN bringing in a guy like McAfee, who is very good at what he does, drums up energy, gets interaction, people follow and consume the product, and, and he was a big thing for FanDuel. So when you look back at when McAfee was signed, I mean, we go back a couple of months now, this had to be obviously well-known, the plan to bring him in, and, you know, gambling's going to be a big part of his show. He's going to be pumping the product. Um, so I, I think what will be different with Fox and ESPN is I think at least right now in this current version, ESPN is going to integrate it into its broadcast or, you know, not only the NFL and college football, but you have a whole lot of college basketball, too. So, I mean, that's when you think about live television, you think about ESPN, right? I think a lot of us do. So I think that's the challenge. Like, how can you integrate your app onto a network that primarily gets most of its eyeballs from live sports? And that's, you know, that's the moneymaker right there, if you can land that punch. Sam Panionovic with us, uh, betting analyst, Nesson Fox Sports, Chicken Dinner Podcast as well. 
Uh, do you have any concerns with, uh, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but ESPN touts itself as a little bit more ha- having a stronger journalistic arm than what Fox Sports does at times. Is there a conflict of interest when it comes to opening up an ESPN bet also while touting yourself as a sports journalist uh, entity? I think this sort of kills that, doesn't it? Um, you know, you don't you don't sign a ten year deal, and basically, I mean, that's what it was. I think the language at first, when I saw the initial report, it was you know ESPN and and Penn enter deal, and I'm thinking, okay, but what are the terms? Like, who paid who? How long is this? I, I find it very difficult that ESPN can get 1.5 billion dollars plus stock options down the road potentially from a sports book and a gambling company and still try to act holier than thou. I, 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 don't, think that's, I don't think that's possible. Um, I mean, we're talking a lot of money, boys, and, uh, you know, $1.5 billion with a B is, is just, it, it's going to be crazy to see what this landscape looks like. You know, I'm, you know forget this coming fall. I, I want to know what this looks like in three years from now. Like, let's say ESPN bet takes off and actually starts to climb you know, the handle numbers, because as we've talked about for years now, you know, outside of Nevada, there's really only two horses, and that's DraftKings and FanDuel. And you're starting to see a lot of these books, whether they, they wave the white flag themselves or they merge with somebody else, or, you know, what's going to happen with, you know, Barstool Sportsbook? I imagine it's over. Like, I don't think they have any more ground to stand on, so there's another domino that falls. And these books across the country that are taking 1%, 2% of handle, how much longer can they bleed money before they get absorbed by either DraftKings or FanDuel or now ESPN Bet? So I think this space is, is going to keep thriving, but I don't think we're going to have, you know, eight, nine, ten sports books in the next five years outside of Nevada because there's, there's not a lot of everybody. And if you're going to get a customer, losing. Cofield and Company, Sam Paniotovich on the horn with us from Nesson, from. Fox Sports. Uh, we pivot to a little baseball and your White Sox. Uh, what did you think of Tim Anderson and uh, J Ram? I don't even care anymore. I mean, uh, you know, it's it's fun. People can you know line up and, and throw throw bombs at me all they want about the White Sox. Everybody knows that's my favorite team and all that. I just it's at the point now, and I, I know we've discussed the White Sox all season. I'm at the point where I just don't freaking care anymore. Like they are so unlikable and you know you see the reports about you know nothing's going to change and we're going to fix this culture and you know, the problem is they're they're letting the cooks or the chefs if you will in the kitchen rebuild this up again i mean this is the same front office that tore it down um you know early in the 2000s um and then you know did it again around 2015 2016 i mean these guys have been running the show for 20 years and at the end of the day, like, I don't care if Tim Anderson gets punched or not. I, I could give a damn. I want to see good baseball. I want to see a team in the playoffs. They've made the playoffs two times since they won the World Series in 05. I don't count the COVID year because everybody made the playoffs in 2020. They made it in 08. They made it in 21. And that's the sad reality. This team is just not good. And they're, they're bordering on irrelevant right now. And that's, that's what sucks the most. Yeah, I'm going to lose money. Not going to hit my division bets. Not going to hit my pennant bets. But we're at the point now where fans are apathetic, and that's the worst place for a fan base to be. This is the most unlikable White Sox team of my lifetime. Like, I almost hate their guts, and that's bad. Sam Paniotovich is with us. Uh, we'll close on this. we got Big Ten changes on the way next year. Washington and Oregon. How do you think those two programs blend into the Big Ten and the Big Ten style of play on the football side? 
Well, it's going to be an adjustment, I think, for all parties included. And I, I think, you know, Oregon is, is going to be right there um, when you think about, you know, because USC is going to be in the Big Ten, too. So you're going to have, you know, a pretty strong four of Michigan, Ohio State, USC, and Oregon. And then we'll see what happens with State UCLA, what? What's that noise for? No, I'm glad. I'm glad you put Oregon and USC up there because I think there's a lot of Big Ten fans who don't have respect for some of these West Coast programs. And you know, John and I started the conversation. Um, some of the West Coast programs play a little different brand of football. And for everyone out there who uh, wants to rot up over Iowa and their defense, and you know, Wisconsin's ground and pound. There's some new boys coming to town. Well, if Wisconsin goes down fourteen to nothing to USC, Wisconsin's going to lose forty-eight to ten. You know what I mean? Like those are those games will be affected early by whoever scores first, and then whoever dictates the tempo. But the only thing I can think about right now is being able to get Oregon for that sleepy eleven a.m. spot at Northwestern, <laughs> eleven a.m. when the Wildcats don't cut the grass, and, and like that's that's happened before. No, no, no. Like, no. Mike Kafka, oh, Mike, yeah. Mike Kafka's coming in. They'll be shaving that grass down to I mean, razor thin. What's the the stint meter? What the hell is that in golf? Yeah, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be up tempo. It's gonna be up tempo. It's gonna be running that at eleven and a half. Do it. The whole league is gonna change. I cannot wait for that first Sunday when Oregon goes to Evanston. The yeah. Ducks are laying nine and a half. I will have an uncomfortable amount of money on Northwestern. You will. I know they're great. They are a great dog. Uh, Sam, we'll see you tomorrow night here in town. Oh, buddy, can't wait. JBT coming. I am. Oh wow. Oh, 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 all right. I'll see you then. Thanks for doing the spot. We know it's a day off. Thank you. All right, peace. There he is. Um, yeah, I'm, I mean, I hate this conference realignment, but I am looking forward to uh, some of the people in the Big Ten. Believe me, I watch a lot of Big Ten football. Uh, Michigan and Ohio State are elite programs. Mm-hmm. The quarterbacks mostly suck. And if Washington and Oregon and UCLA and USC continue to do what they've do, been doing recently, recruiting and get even better, um, it's going to be real interesting. And for all the Big Ten folks out there who are like, West Coast football, soft, they don't play defense, then you know what? Don't ever recruit in California again. F off. Stay out. Because you see what the conference is right now, right? Mm-hmm. And that's a shame of it. This will be the last year of Pac-12 football. The quarterback's in this league. The offense is in this league. It's insane. It's no expensive. And then, and then, and then uh, I mean, look, what – we got situations. I have no idea if either guy can play, right? Mm-hmm. But we got situations at Oregon State. Now I'm blanking on his name. Is Aiden Childs? I think that's his name. The backup quarterback uh, who's in behind DJU, right? High level, three, four star guy from California. We got Jaden Rashada, who finally settled on a school and landed at Arizona State, right? We'll see when he plays. Uh, those guys in the Big Ten, that half the Big Ten programs would roll right on the field and play right away. Mm-hmm. Oh, I mean, look at some of the premier programs. Wisconsin is hoping to God that Tanner Mordecai is going to be the quarterback they've been looking for for like nearly 10 years now. Spencer Petrus over there at Iowa, how bad that offense has been, would be barely making a depth chart out there at the West Coast with some of these programs the way the quarterbacks are playing. Look at even, how about this? There's, and he's not going to be there next year, but there's a former Big Ten quarterback who's leading Washington who has been, was brilliant in a legitimately good offensive system who could be one of the best quarterbacks in the country this year. So, oh, I, th- I think it's a fascinating dynamic. They might have the ground to pound and all that stuff and the, the murky weather in the middle of winter, but they have no idea how to play 2023 and, offense. And that'll be interesting. Yep. Although I do not believe that uh, the weather has to be 
I think you got to have rain and wind yes. for passing games to, sh- to get shut down. Cold weather doesn't shut it down. No, wind is really And the- nor does light snow. Now, if there's snow on the ground, eh, sometimes you can see you know, shootouts on, with snow on the ground, too, because obviously the wide receivers know where they're going, quarterbacks know where they're going, and the defensive backs are like, what the hell's going on? Sam mentioned Northwestern at home. Go back to last year. Remember when C.J. Shroud and Ohio State went to Northwestern? It was an early game, if I remember correctly, or an afternoon game for us. And you're looking at it, and the wind is like a million miles an hour, and they barely got by. Why? It wasn't because Northwestern was good. It's because the wind was insane. Precipitation doesn't matter that much. It's the wind. And this is not to suggest that the programs we're, we're beaten on in the Big Ten aren't going to adjust. They're going to have to adjust. They will adjust. Just like at some point, we talk about Big Ten basketball all the time and the fact that they love playing a 4-5, and you know, in the case of Zach Eady, who's a really good player, but you know, if you're going to roll out 6'9", 250, and you know, 6'11", 250, and then late in the season you start playing teams outside of the Big Ten and they're four out, one in, and they start hitting threes, you can't win. So <laughs> things, things are going to change. They're going to morph more towards wide open football in the Big Ten, just like it's going to it's happening in the Big Ten with wide open basketball. Yes. I mean, I can't wait to see what it's going to happen. That's going to look like basketball-wise, but like to your overall point, FAU with like you know five eleven six one and six three in the backcourt, huh? and what we know what they did to Purdue. Dunk all you want. Yep. Dunk all you want. We hit seventeen threes. You ain't gonna win, right? Yep. It's not gonna happen. Boy, we got a lot to follow up on with this ESPN bet thing. So, I'm so we'll try to get candy on tomorrow or on Thursday. So was was Sam suggesting that DraftKings and FanDuel would just be shut out of advertising with ESPN? I can't imagine would. Would ESPN just go, hey, you know what, it's our product or bust? I mean, I we're would, not taking your money anymore. That would be the smart thing to do. Man. I mean, you just got all this that money from Penn. Why in the world would you allow that to happen? And here's the other thing. Remember, there was a deal potentially in place that DraftKings was either going to uh, buy ESPN or whatever it was. There was some sort of deal that was in place. Like, now all of a sudden, like, let's do this. Now we want our product out there. Why would we ever let you advertise on our network? Boy, I'm amped up now. We are getting out here early. That's not why I'm amped up. Lots of work to do. Lots of work to do. Aces on the way. John Von Tobel is here with us. I don't know why you're rubbing your nose. Not that oh, kind of amped itchy. up. Oh, okay. Was I thought itchy. you were suggesting that I no, was no, no. snorting rails during the break. Uh, it's old school radio, not now. I mean, and I never did that, by the way. I didn't need it. I didn't need it to do radio and be fired up. Boy, this ESPN bet thing. There's a lot right. of questions I got now. So ESPN's getting into the bookmaking business with a partner in Penn National. One last follow-up, and we're going to get to Miles Simmons who I don't even know if he's like read up on this, but we'll throw this at him as well because there's some NFL concerns here. Um, Sam Paniotovich, Gambling Insider, mentioned that new ESPN bet will be in 16 states. Was Penn National under the Barstool brand in 16 states? Because when I, I went to Barstool's website, uh, it was only listed in four states, but maybe the Barstool website sucked and was never updated. Was Barstool in 16 states? No, but I also think Penn also has the score which is like a betting thing. So I think they had a so couple of everything they've outlets. had branded is now yeah. going to be ESPN bet. So 16 states. Yeah. That's interesting. I mean, I look, the outreach is fascinating. I, I, I think this is an incredible topic. Somebody works in the sports betting space. Like, well, you're talking about journalistic integrity, and, and we've been talking about the crossing of the lines. Like it's one thing, and I think it's a really bad thing, uh, but a lot of people don't know about it, for uh, NFL teams to have back-end ownership of sports books now you're getting the people who are supposed to be reporting on this stuff, and they're booking bets. Well, here, so and like, they've got relationships and they've got inside connections. We are, we already saw something with 
Shams, right? That mm-hmm. was kind of weird around the NBA draft. Like, is he on the take for his NBA employer, or you know, is he working for the sports book that night? Yep, giving I mean, out inside information. There's there's all of that that you're talking about. Yeah. There's the fact that you're going to put your talent in bad positions because you know it's. I made the joke. I'm I'm pretty sure I'm accurate here. The Mina Kimes 14 parlay is probably going to come up at some Why point. Why do you say that? Have we already seen this? Oh, yeah. We've yes. seen it plenty of times. Yes. We've seen it all over the place. Fox, Fox Bet did it. You see it now where other influencers are getting involved. They, you know, During the NBA season, the Rachel Nichols three-team parlay is up on DraftKings. Oh, really? Yeah. And, I, think, and, I think John Rothstein was doing it. Sure. Who, who could be like the furthest thing from a gambler. And, and this isn't a criticism of them, but it puts them in bad positions. What I mean by that is huh. then you open the doors for people on Z – to then go after what? Mina Kimes and others. Smooth. Twitter. That um, was good. Right. But, like, you know what I mean? Because they're mandated by ESPN. Hey, we want you to put together a foreign team parlay. Mina Kimes, you don't know if she's comfortable doing it. Or not. I'm just using her as an example, who already gets guff for just being a woman analyzing football. Yep. Now, all of a sudden, you're going to get the sports bettors in on this picks. and be like, you don't know anything. What is this? But she's mandated because now ESPN Bet wants to put one of their primary talent around. We don't know that yet. We don't know it yet, but yeah. I'm saying we have a history of this now. And it's just, I have tons of questions. You already know the integrity of it. It's, uh, I, I'm fascinated Miles, by Miles it. Miles Simmons is with us, our Tuesday football insider from Pro Football Talk. Miles, how you doing, buddy? Hello, guys. I'm doing well. How are you? Now we were just discussing uh, ESPN finally entering the bookmaking business, which uh, provides some challenges. Can I advise you to do something? I, I'm sure it's hung up on the wall I- in multiple spots. Can you just take... Your, uh, I assume it was a journalism degree from Columbia, and just light it on fire right now. Just, seriously, just torch it. Torch it on a little video and go, I don't need this. It doesn't matter anymore. Everything you learn, everything you, uh, you learn, know, out the window. You know There's no rules anymore, baby. Here's the thing, Steve. Here's the thing. And I, I find this interesting because – of many reasons, obviously. And like, you know, I'm in the space, whatever is, you know, uh, NFL reporter or whatever you want to call me. Um, I think that when you're looking at how people have to do betting now, like it's not necessarily one of these things where everybody's going to be like, oh my God, like, yeah, it, it, it ruins the integrity of this. But you have to think about like, oh, it, it is going to be a thing where people are going to maybe look at it, especially now that if ESPN is going to be in the space, right? Then you're mm-hmm. going to have to look at it and say, well, is Adam Schefter kind of on the take with this when he starts trying to report things? And I heard you guys talking about this with Shams and all, and all that and how um, that came up um, during the NBA draft. But I don't know that you can really have – the ESPN be in the sports sporting space without it being another aspect of it where you have this clear line of delineation between you're saying, okay, this is ESPN, the sports reporting arm, and then this ESPN sports betting thing is something that's totally different and never the twain shall meet. And you have to be very, very, very clear about that. And based on the way that there is money to be made with uh, sports betting, I don't know that you can – make that distinction very clear, which is not very good. Well, and Miles, even if, right, like you make that distinction, going back to the Shams thing, like do I think that there was something nefarious going on where, you know, Shams was trying to, you know, alter the pool a bit and get people to then go and bet Scoot Henderson go number two? No, I don't. 
but you put yourself in a position for people to yeah. ask those questions, right? And like, exactly. That's, and that's that's a bad thing. And now when you have like an Adam Schefter, for example, if if ESPN bet, and this is kind of a hardcore example, but if Patrick Mahomes mm-hmm. twists his ankle in week three, and all of a sudden ESPN bet line for Kansas City starts moving, and then ten minutes later Adam Schefter reports that Kansas City is not going to have you know Patrick Mahomes that week, people are going to ask. Did Adam Schefter tell ESPN Better Penn National that he's not going to play <laughs> so that they could get their line in shape so they don't get hammered by it, but that the other mm-hmm. books could? Like the, the, I don't think it's going to happen, but you open those doors. Well, I don't know that it's not going to happen, right? Point, yeah. I mean, th- 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 you know, I mean, that's something that does make sense. Does Adam Schefter tell the powers that be with the sports book so that they don't get hammered in something like that? Like, that's a very, very good example of it. I mean, I bit of the let's call it dangers, right? Mm-hmm. Of where we're going with the sports betting and the reporting and how that happens with one universal company. But the thing about it too, and I said this to a buddy of mine today when I saw the whole um, Penn National uh, Barstool ESPN thing come out. This makes me think more than anything else that we are about to enter a place where sports betting is about to be legal in all 50 states sooner than later, like in the next five years. Because think about it, the mouse is going to be behind this, right? And, and what does that mean? Well, to me, it means that we might get like federal legislation because if the mouse is behind it, then it's got some real weight and it's got some real power. Disney, unless you're in Florida. Disney bet's going to be awesome. <laughs> it's going to be like Hercules 10-team parlay. You know what I mean? It's going to yeah. be awesome. Uh-huh. It's, this is, it is tremendous. I don't know why I'm so stoked about it because it does provide so many storylines and uh, challenges. Well, it's fun. It's interesting. Yeah, it is. Uh, Miles Simmons is with us from Pro Football Talk. Um, are we starting to get some sort of whispers or reports that Eric Bieniemy is uh, turning out to be a real interesting character now oh. that he's moved into the uh, Washington organization? Boy, I am so glad you asked me about this because I've been thinking about this all day, man. And this is such like a weird thing that happened this morning. And I was sort of, you know, because when you do what I do, you just you watch press conferences. You see if somebody's going to say something interesting. And the first thing I saw was some tweets from the Washington uh, football beat where they're talking about how um, Ron Rivera said that guys were a little uh, put off let's call it by Eric B intensity. Oh, right. Wow. And you're kind of thinking yeah. like, and, and I saw it and it was like, and they said there were concerns or they were concerned. And I'm thinking like, what does that mean? That doesn't really make any sense. So I went and I watched the entire press conference. And then of course, that's the last question. So I had to go through no. all these things about things I don't really care about, like the backup left guard, who the bleep cares. But finally they ask him about this and he says like a kind of a long answer and somebody follows up with, what do you mean they were concerned? Um, they, they were concerned. Like what, what, what the hell does that even mean? So to me, what it sounds like is they brought in Eric B Ron Rivera brought in Eric B because the offense sucked. They have not been better than 20th. Maybe I think in scoring points since Ron Rivera got to Washington three years ago. Okay. I mean, they've been something like 20th, 23rd, 24th, you know, all that mediocre crap in the three years that he's been there. And so now when you have Eric Bieniemy, who comes in two-time Super Bowl champion, has coached the best quarterback we've ever seen, and he comes in and he starts doing things a little bit differently. He starts challenging guys. He starts coaching guys hard. Things that everybody in Kansas City has said about him, mm-hmm. and they have said that they liked about him because he gets results. And so now you guys here in Washington, oh, I'm a little concerned because he's maybe coaching me a little bit hard. He's being mean to me. Let me go to head coach coach Ron Revere and tell him he's being mean. What the hell is that? 
Are you so you're okay with being mediocre? It sounds like to me, Ron Rivera and the t- Scott Turner before him, and also Jack Del Rio are all soft, and they go hard, and they go really easy on these players, and they say, oh, it's okay, it's this, it's that, you know, it's going to be fine, it's going to be this, and it's that, and then you go 500 every freaking year, or under 500, and you just so happen to be in the crappiest division in football that you win the division. And Eric Bieniemy is coming in, and he's setting a standard, and that standard's maybe a little bit too good for some of these guys that are in there. And the thing is, because Eric Bieniemy is not the head coach, you can't just cut those guys, mm-hmm. right? Because if he were the head coach, and this is what usually happens when you get somebody that's coming in and changing the culture, you just cut those guys because you're not they're not going to be a part of the solution that you're crafting. So all of this to me just means that there's a problem with what Ron Rivera was doing. Ron Rivera recognized it and he's trying to correct it, but the players need to put up and get with the program or shut up and get out because this is not something that you need to have concerns with somebody coming in and setting a high standard for what you need to be doing because you sucked on offense the last three years anyway so i don't understand this miles simmons with us uh pro football talk so okay can we expand on this because you know you talk about like i'm kind of think that right ron rivera in terms of speaking on this too is it a little dangerous? Because like for a while, Eric Bieniemy was the face of right, you know, this um, the Rudy Rule and not getting a head coaching opportunity. And people, there were people using it as ammunition, like, hey, you know, he didn't coach Patrick Mahomes, and maybe he doesn't deserve a sure. job. And now all of a yeah. sudden, you get this, and I feel like a lot of those people will use this as ammunition. Like, see, this is why he didn't get a job. It's not about lack of diversity; it's because he's not good. What does that mean? But what does it mean he's not good? I mean, that doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. Because if you look if you look at what the Washington reporters were saying after this, it was kind of like, well, they may have had concerns that the enemy was coaching them too hard. But also when you observe what the enemy is doing on the field and how he coaches, yes, he may get loud. He may get frustrated. He may use a four-letter word or two. But he also is the one that is encouraging the guys the most. And he's encouraging them the loudest mm-hmm. when they do something right. He is there to tell them, great job. Or he's there to tell them, hey, let's do this better. But if you do it right, he's also going to praise you. So I don't really, like I said, I don't understand what this is. I mean, people take to different coaching styles. I understand that. But when you've been so bad on offense, like Washington has the last couple of years, since Ron Rivera's gotten there, and you are complaining about being coached hard, that to me means you're soft. And you need to you need to stop this mess because you're a professional football player. And it's not Eric Bieniemy's job to coddle you and tell you you're doing well when you're not. Because he wouldn't be there if you were any good. So I, I, that, that's why I don't – to me, that if, if, if I'm hearing all this and I'm Josh Harris, the thing that makes the new owner of Washington, right, the thing that makes me more concerned is that Ron Rivera was coaching a team that had players that were okay with not being coached well. Yep. That's more concerning to me. And that's what would get my wheels turning a little bit to say, okay, well, if they don't like this guy and he's the one that's producing results and he's the one that has produced results, then maybe we're not in the right space with our coaches. I think you nailed it. And I actually think it's a feather in the enemy's cap. Uh, yes. Because we, you know, we had heard stories and we relayed them on the air that, hey, the, you know, some of the, the Chiefs players were just kind of like, hey, he's a little bit abrasive. It's time to move on. We had our fill of him. And, there sometimes you need a guy like the enemy, especially with you know we had heard a story going back a couple of years in the, in the playoffs that Eric Bieniemy and Tyreek Hill were ready to throw on each other 
uh, yeah. during a game. And guess what? Tyreek Hill probably does need to be thrown on every once in a while. Like someone, he's well, he's a mercurial guy, and every once in a while, a coach has to step up and go, "Shut the hell up, or we're going to fight." I, I mean, well, that's the, I mean, football. Yeah. Listen, this is this isn't all kumbaya during the game and in the locker room. Be. Sometimes it it's going to get hyper aggressive, and there's a reason. The Chiefs have a balance on that staff, but the reason the Chiefs are good, and we've you know beaten this point into the ground here, uh, WFT, whatever they want to be called, has not been good consistently. <laughs> well, and Tyreek Hill, I'm glad you mentioned him too, because today Tyreek Hill put out a tweet after this stuff kind of came up and a started post. circulating. A post. And, and was like, yeah, uh, this is somebody who coached me hard and coached good. me well, and you know what? He, you guys need to stick with it because he's going to make you better. And that's the thing to me. Tyree Kill has no reason to say that at all anymore. I mean, he's with Miami. I, this guy has has not been coached by Eric Bieniemy for a couple of years now. So it doesn't matter if he thinks it's true. He doesn't have to say anything, right? He can let this go, but he didn't. So to me, it's, we're talking about one of the elite receivers in the game. And this is, again, somebody that's been endorsed by the elite quarterback of the game and the elite head coach of the game right now and Andy Reid. I, I don't to me this speaks worse to what's been going on in Washington than it does to anything about Eric Bieniemy. You know, if there's another Birmingham brawl, I'll take Eric Bieniemy on my side any day of the oh, week. Oh yeah. Uh, he I, and I guarantee he's a better swimmer than that one guy uh, who tried to get in but he just wasn't <laughs> an think, efficient uh, swimmer. Do you think Mike McDaniel has it in him to to put up with Tyreek, huh? You think he'll throw on him like you want him no, to? I, I think he'll give him something else to calm down. Like, bro, let's let's share something here and uh, take yeah. a little puff. Um, let's close on this one. Miles Simmons okay. with us, Pro Football Talk, on a uh, abbreviated edition today of uh, Cofield and Company. What is going to happen to Trey Lance in San Fran? I mean, I, I heard some shows talking about the possibility that he could just be released. That's crazy, right? I don't think that they would release him. I don't think they have a reason to release him. I mean, if you are San Francisco and you've had the issues that you've had in the last few years with quarterback injuries, why would you let any one of them that you think can even play a little bit go? You wouldn't do that. I don't think that that's a very good idea. So to me, I think that, yeah, there's a possibility you can be the third quarterback, but if you're San Francisco's third quarterback, that might mean you're in a game at least once this year. you know. And, and frankly... I have no confidence in Sam Darnold. I have the utmost confidence in Kyle Shanahan as a play designer, play caller. I think he's one of the absolute best in the league. It's him and Andy Reid to me at the tippy top of the list. But I don't even think he can fix everything that is wrong with Sam Darnold. Okay, I mean, I've been watching this guy since he was in college at USC. He always turns the ball over. It's just what he does. Turnovers don't go away. Ask Jameis Winston. So... I think that it would behoove the 49ers if they're going to have this quarterback room as it is. I mean, they can put Trey Lance or Sam Darnold at second quarterback, and it doesn't really matter. But when it comes down to it, I think that they should probably keep all three of those guys as quarterbacks and keep them on the 53-man roster, and then you can use that emergency third quarterback rule if you need to because, frankly, San Francisco might need it more than anybody else. Miles, you're a wonderful human being. I respect your journalism degree. Do not burn it. Uh, that's a special thing, and thanks for bumping your spot up today. Thanks for being flexible. We'll talk to you next week. No problem, guys. Take care. You don't think for one second he was actually going to burn his I mean, there's degree. probably a digital record of it, right? So yeah, You can just get another one. Just yeah. do it for show, and then, hey, you know, send me another one. Just keep it, like, you know, in oh, a drawer man. or something. I, I don't know why I'm so excited to see ESPN personalities put up their three and four teamers <laughs> as if they don't get tortured enough already. 
By the way, Will, eh, you know what? I'm not even going to touch on it. There's so much to be discovered about ESPN, but I'm very excited. Cofield and Company presents Grab Bag. Don't touch it. Don't even look at it. Only on ESPN Las Vegas. Stick your hand in there, Dave. Come on! We have so much to get to, but we're going to step aside here in a couple minutes. Tomorrow we'll have to follow up on this one because, you know, we brought it up like three weeks ago, John about San Diego State saying they want it out. They sent a letter. We show up to Mountain West Conference Media Day, and it's like, oh, San Diego State's welcome back in. Okay, what are the penalties? What are the new rules? Can you trust these people? Headline earlier today on CBS Sports. San Diego State fails an attempt to create new Power 5 conference with Pac-12, Mountain West, and AAC members. So San Diego State was trying to orchestrate stuff behind the scenes, which would essentially dissolve the remainder of the Mountain West Conference, right? Why? Because they want to get into what they think is a Power Five and also not have to pay all this money they would owe on an exit fee. I mean, these these folks at San Diego State, I was going to say guys, but it's a female president, not to be trusted. And, of course, San Diego State fired back and they're like, fake news. Okay. Yeah, fake news. 